We. Hey, is anybody in love with Jesus this morning? Ah. We absolutely love him. Everybody watching online, if you just tuned in, thanks for joining us today. Glad to have you watching Eastgate Church. Hey, if you could take a second, if you haven't already watching online or maybe in in-house, take a, take a second to like and share that live stream or check in today and let your friends know that you're here so that we can get the word out there about the church and about what Jesus is doing and get that message out there so people can hear about this guy that is so awesome in our lives and who has so radically transformed our lives, right? Man, we're in week two today of a series called We Too. We Too. That is the weirdest name for a series I've ever heard somebody told me, Pastor Joshua. Let me explain to you why we call it that. Um, We call it We Too because we believe that God has called us to be we as a body of believers. And individuals glorifying him, but he's called us to come together to be the body, to encourage one another, to support each other, to lift each other up. And uh, we believe that we are stronger as a body of believers when we are together and not separated. Amen? So God's got a plan, not just for us individually with our relationship with him, but he has a, a plan for our relationships with one another. And that's why we say here at Eastgate Church, we say that no one walks alone. At Eastgate, no one walks alone because we believe that God has called us to do life together to stand by one another, to cover each other with prayer, to be that army watching each other's backs. Because we need that in the world today. Am I telling the truth? world's a little bit crazy. The Braves need some help today. Braves need somebody watching their back right now. Man, how have they let this slip to a game seven? I don't get it. Man, somebody said it's the Georgia curse. I don't believe in Georgia curses. Maybe the Braves can pull it out today. Well, we just have to have an extra prayer service. I, I knew I'd get an amen on that from some of y'all in here this morning and wake you up one way or another. The Braves need some help. Uh, but at Eastgate Church, nobody walks alone. One of the best Western movies I've ever seen, one of the ones that I love the most, is a movie called Tombstone. Yeah. Love Tombstone. Now, there's some classics. I mean, you got the John Wayne Westerns and the Clint Eastwood Westerns and all those classics that are out there. Open Range was another good Western movie, uh, but Tombstone, I love it. I love Tombstone because of one character in the movie. Like, Kurt Russell did a good job being Wyatt Earp, but come on. Now, Val Kilmer crushed it being Doc Holliday, did he not? Man, he absolutely crushed it, and he made it cool to say stuff like this. I'm your Huckleberry. I quote that still today. Kelly be like, Josh, can you, can you help me out and do the dishes? And I'll be like, I'm your huckleberry. I'm going to take care of that. You know, you're a daisy if you do. How can a grown man say you're a daisy if you do and be cool? Only Doc Holliday could make that happen. But I love that movie because of Doc. And in one of the scenes in the movie, um, Wyatt and Doc are, you know, they're going through um, taking out uh, the, the cowboys, the bad guys in the movie. And the movie's kind of true to the fact that Doc Holliday suffered from tuberculosis. He was sick. He was dying, uh, terminally ill with it. And in one of the scenes in the movie, you know, they're chasing the bad guys, and Doc Holliday just gets into this coughing fit, and he's coughing up a little bit of blood while they're on the side of the creek. And one of the guys that's riding with him walks up to Doc and goes, Doc, why are you doing this? You should be in bed somewhere getting better. You don't need to be out here doing all of this. Doc Holliday said this. He said, Wyatt Earp is my friend. And the guy said, well, heck, I got lots of friends. And then Doc said this. He said, I don't. 
I don't. It's nice to know that you got friends to go through life with. You know, it's always nice to know that you, you just got that, that one or two people, you know, you just call your ride or die. It doesn't matter what happens in life. I know they're going to be there for me, like Doc Holliday was for Wyatt Earp. You know, no matter what I'm facing, even if they're having to sacrifice, they're going to be there to help me out and watch my back. And I appreciate people like that more in my life because I've walked through seasons of life where I haven't had that. How about you guys? You ever go through a season of life where you were just going through hell on earth and there was nobody there for you? You felt like you were walking through a valley all by yourself? You know, well, God doesn't intend for us to walk through life alone like that. Okay? He wants his body of believers to be each other's ride or die, to watch each other's backs, to be that Doc Holliday to say, you know what? I'm with this guy because I'm his friend. I'm with this woman because she's my sister in the Lord watching each other's back, taking care of each other because no one was meant to walk alone. And when God was creating the universe and speaking all this pretty stuff that we see into existence and he was forming the moon and the sun and, and everything we see in the earth and the expanded universe, he called all of it good. He called man good. But listen to this, even in our perfect sinless state at that time, because man hadn't fallen into sin right after creation. That happened a little bit later, okay? But Adam, perfect, flawless, sinless, created in the image of God. God said, that guy right there, that, this right here, he's good, but it's not good that he's all alone. God knew that we needed somebody to walk alongside us, to watch our back, to lift us up, to encourage us. He knew, he knew that alone wasn't good for us. That's why we say at Eastgate Church, nobody walks alone because that's the way God intended us for us to do life. We don't walk alone because he's always with us and we don't walk alone because we watch each other's back. And the Bible bears this out in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, starting at verse 23. It reads like this. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Aren't you glad that God is faithful? That everything that he promised us will come to pass in our lives. Even if it doesn't look like it today, he's still the way maker, the miracle worker. He's still the one that can make it happen. Amen? And even if it doesn't seem like he's doing anything, he's working behind the scenes. He who promised is faithful. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us consider. Now, that, that means we're, we're supposed to give thought to how we can encourage each other to sit down and actually kind of work out some kind of action plan. You know what, today, I know that so-and-so is going through a hard time, so you know what, today, I'm going to send them a text to let them know I got their back. I'm going to pray for them today. You know what, I know this person's been having a hard week, so I'm going to leave a little gift on their front porch just to let them know that I care about them or give them a phone call. It's just too Figure out ways to encourage one another because encouragement is important. Why? Because it spurs us on to operate in love and to operate with good deeds in our life. Riding horses is not my thing. That's my wife's thing. Kelly loves horses. I love that Kelly loves horses. 
I do not like horses. Everyone, nobody gets it. Why don't you like horses, Pastor Josh? Well, here's why. Because they're dangerous at both ends and they're crafty in the middle. I don't trust any animal that, can, that does all that. I do like horses better than I like cats because cats are just of the devil. They're just of the devil. I promise you. Every cat is going to end up in hell before it's all said and done. Just, it has to or the Bible can't be true because they're pure evil. I'm telling you. But... Um, when you're riding a horse, you know, sometimes they get distracted or they get this mind of their own and you got to rein them back in and you got to kind of spur them along. And you don't always have to dig your heel into them with a piece of metal, but you can just, you know, come on, pat them, get them going, spur them on to get them back on track with what they're supposed to be doing. We do that for one another in our lives. We encourage each other and we spur each other. And I don't know how many times I've had a bad week and somebody's come along and just said something nice to me and it just, put wind in my cell, and it put me back on track and helped me to do what I knew God had called me to do. But listen, he says, we're not just supposed to sit down and figure out ways to encourage one another so that we can have each other moving forward in love and in good deeds. But he says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another, there's that word again, encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaches God says, I want you guys to be thinking about ways to encourage one another. I want you guys to be getting together to encourage one another. I want you guys to be together. And there's a reason for that. And when, when how many of y'all remember when you gave your life to the Lord? Yeah, me too. I remember the guy I was before Jesus, and I'm glad I'm not that guy anymore. So glad I'm not that guy anymore. But when we get saved and we give our lives to Jesus, a process of growth begins. And we begin to move away from who we were into who God is calling us to be. And that transformation happens inside of us. And all those who are in Christ are a new creation. And the old is gone and the new has come. And we begin to walk into the promises of Scripture that talks about how God is faithful in working us into the person that he envisioned that we could be. And he's carrying out that work of, of renewal inside of us so that we can mirror his righteousness from the day of our conversion to the day we breathe our last breath and cross over into eternity with him. And we spend most of our lives somewhere between who we were and who God's calling us to be. Walking out this journey of life in this gap some of y'all have heard me talk about this before. This is, this is key to understanding your walk with God, though, because you're going to spend most of your life in a gap. A gap between the promise of God and the fulfillment of the promise of God, from the beginning of God's work in your life to the completion of God's work in your life, from spiritual battle to spiritual victory. You know, there, there are going to be gaps. And in walking in those gaps sometimes... Isn't it interesting how the voice of God can get quiet? As you're walking through like where you used to be as a mountain and where you're headed as a mountain, and sometimes the voice of God in those times of growth can get quiet. And we like to talk and shout about how God's always faithful and God's always there, and he is, but sometimes God is quiet too to give us space to learn how to trust him when things don't make sense to learn how to put him first, even though A plus B doesn't equal C in the things that we see in life. To know that what he told me back there is going to be true right here. 
and the promise will be fulfilled there. It's true in all places, but I haven't seen the fulfillment of that yet. And sometimes those times when you walk through those seasons, God can be quiet. And that's when the enemy starts to talk. And that's when he starts to try to frustrate and aggravate. You know, and you can get frustrated sometimes. Like I, I used to get frustrated in my walk with God because I would think, you know what, God, you, you're, you're telling me to deal with these things in my life and work through these things in my life. And I just don't feel like I'm, I know I had the victory. I know I walk in victory, but I don't understand why I'm struggling with this area of my, I wish I could just get to that place right there. And I want to encourage some people here today because you might be frustrated in the process and in that gap thinking I'm not where I need to be. I don't measure up to who God says that I should be. And when I look at myself and I look at all these perfect, pretty little Christians that are in the church or that I see on TV, I don't think that I measure up. But I want you to just pause for a second and maybe take a look back over your shoulder. Sometimes it's good to just stop and reflect for a second because you might not be where you want to be in Christ just yet. But if you'll stop and you'll look back, you'll also see some space behind you between where you used to be and where you are today. Now, I might not be where I used to be, and I'm not where I want to be. I'm in a process of growth. I'm getting there. You understand? God's taking me one step at a time, one step at a time. Can we praise God for growth in our life? We might not be where we want to be just yet, but he's faithful to take us one step at a time. And the Bible's true when he says that he that has started the good work in us is faithful to carry it through to completion. We're just not there yet. That doesn't mean that God's not working in us and through us in our lives. But it's during those times in that gap where it can get kind of frustrating because we, we, we don't hear the things that we want to hear. And sometimes the Bible, the words just don't jump off the page at you like you have had them do before during those times. And it's crazy because it's like, I know God is there and I know I got the Holy Spirit in me and I know he can speak to me. So what's the deal? Why, why am I not hearing things like I normally would during these seasons in my life, you know? And I was driving with Kelly. We went on a trip a couple of weeks ago just to get away for a few days because you got to do that sometimes. And we decided to uh, go on a drive through the mountains. And it was gorgeous. We hopped on the Blue Ridge Parkway just outside of Gatlinburg. And we took the Blue Ridge Parkway all the way through the Smoky Mountains to Asheville, North Carolina. Beautiful drive, absolutely beautiful drive. We rolled down the windows and we could just smell that cool mountain air, you know, that Christmas that's in the air and all the leaves were changing. And so you've got the beautiful leaves and you go through sections of the parkway and it feels like you're literally on top of the world looking out over just mountain ranges on both sides as you're driving through the middle. It's just gorgeous. But I noticed something that when we were on this drive that... Part of the drive, we had great cell reception. And then most of the drive, we had no cell phone reception at all. So our phones would be dead, and then we'd get to a place where we had reception, and then they'd just go beep, 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 beep. You know, just alarms and blow up for a second. Well, who's texting us? Let's see. Um, but it wasn't like that all the way because there weren't enough cell towers in the area to get the signal from the source to our device.
I started thinking as I was praying about this, you know, this is kind of how it works with us, with each other and our relationship with God and through these quiet times. Because we got our devices, okay? We got the Holy Spirit inside of us. God is the source. He's sending out the signal. He's always talking to us. There are times in our lives where it seems like we just get out of range just a little bit. The signal's there. Our device is there. But there's not enough towers to bounce the signal to where we are for us to hear the encouragement or the word that we need at the time. That's where we come into play. It's where we come into play. Because everybody that's a believer has the Holy Spirit inside of them. God is going to speak to you. Now listen, maybe, maybe the problem isn't that we're not hearing from God. Maybe it's this that we're not getting ourselves close enough to the towers to hear God maybe bouncing his signal off of each other to speak into our lives. You see how that works? We are the tower. We are the ones that encourages during those times. We're the ones that come alongside one another and spur each other on when we lose track and when we lose focus sometimes or when we're going through those seasons where things don't make sense in our walk with God and things just aren't clicking the way that we want them to. That's when Bob Krause says to me, hey, Pastor Josh, don't forget what the word of God says. A, B, C, and D. You're an awesome man of God and God hadn't changed. And I go, you know what? That's right. I don't know what the deal has been. I'm glad God used you to speak into my life during a time when I needed it the most. We're supposed to encourage one another. So God speaks to us, but God also uses us to speak to each other to encourage one another. And even in uh, the book of Hebrews 13, look at how powerful encouragement is to us. Hebrews 3 Verses 13, it reads like this, listen, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. He emphasizes that twice. Encourage each other, find somebody to encourage daily while it's still today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Our encouragement for one another can even help us and protect us from falling into the trap of sin. Because we encourage one another. Because we're there to bounce that signal to the person that needs it when they need it the most. And, man, I just, you ever seen an MMA fight or a boxing match? These fighters are just duking it out and going at it. I like MMA more than I like boxing. Boxing, man, it just turned, it's just not my thing anymore. I like to watch MMA. These guys go with it. But every fighter has got somebody in their corner. Every fighter has got a team in that corner. So in between rounds, when they step back from the fight, they're able to go to that corner to get encouragement and coaching and care. That ice pack put back on them. Keep your left up. Keep your right up. You know, don't drop. You know, make sure you're doing this. Make sure you're doing that. Every fighter's got a corner. Listen, we're supposed to be each other's corner in this fight called life and in the spiritual battles that we face. Like, if I could pick like the perfect person to be in my corner. Have y'all ever seen the movie Rocky? Rocky's awesome. Remember, uh, you remember Mick? Oh, Mick, Rocky's coach. I got a picture of him I'm going to show you because he's a loving guy. He always spoke to Rocky in the most loving way. That's a beautiful picture of Mick right there. He's like, Rocky, you're a bum. Remember that? You're a bum. Always coaching him to give him that. Mick would be great to have in the corner just to yell stuff at you as you're going through life. But I think I would rather have this guy. I think I'd rather have Mr. Miyagi. Dude, he's like the best mentor 
of all time. He'll teach you stuff while you don't even know he's teaching you stuff, you know. And, and Miyagi is like the ultimate coach. Like if I could, I would take Mr. Miyagi and like shrink him down and like put him in my pocket and take him with me everywhere that I would go and just have like a Miyagi in the pocket for life. Wouldn't that be awesome though? You just go through stuff like Mr. Miyagi would be there to coach you spiritually as you're going through the battles of life and you're getting discouraged and all that stuff. And only the way that Miyagi could do it you know, somebody's talking about you at work and getting you upset and you're about to let them have it and you hear, ah, da, 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 da. <laughs> pull me out of here. Yes? Ah, oh, Jasa son. What Bible say? <laughs> Bible says that love is not easily offended. Hi. Hey, hey. Bring back to your pocket. You're driving down I 20 and traffic is like traffic is. Hey, but. Gosh, I said, what Bible say? Oh, love is patient. Love is kind. Love, oh, what Miyagi teach you? Wax on, wax off. No, wax on, wax off. Do what Bible say? You know, it's Miyagi in the pocket would be awesome to have that all the time. Would that not be the best thing ever? It'd just be great, man. It would change everything. I could use a Miyagi in the pocket because we need those people to encourage us during those times. That's what we're supposed to do as the body of Christ. How many of y'all saw the, uh, if y'all can remember, the 1996 Olympics? 96 Olympics here in Atlanta. It was awesome. The women's gymnast team was picked to win the gold that year. And y'all, if I say this name, you probably recognize this name. If I say Carrie Strug, how many of y'all know who I'm talking about? Oh, that is Olympic gold and legend right there. Because the U.S. Olympic team was down in the competition because everybody was messing up on the vault. Nobody could nail it. And the Russians were about to steal the gold medal away from the U.S. Carrie Strug was the last competitor to do the vault. And it was her baby. Like she could nail the vault. That was her event. So it looked like the perfect setup until she did her first run and she missed it and missed the landing and injured herself. She only had one attempt left, and now she's hurt. And her coach, her corner, immediately, if you ever watch a replay, I recommend going and watching the replay. You can see Bella Caroli there. You can hear him walking alongside Carrie while she's limping back to try to decide whether or not she's going to do this thing again. Carrie, Carrie, listen to me. Listen to me. Forget about everybody else. Listen to me. I know it hurts. Listen, forget about the pain. Forget about the pain. The pain is not there. Listen to my voice. Listen to my voice. You still got one more jump. You've got one more attempt. One more attempt. Listen to me. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. And he just started coaching her up. And I could tell you the rest of the story, but I bought a, a video clip to show you the rest of the story so that you could experience it again. Maybe some of you for the first time. Check out this video and watch this in action. When you mention the name Carrie Strug to me, the words that come up are hero, courageous, and um, someone who never gave up. Oh! Three falls in a row for the Americans. 
a shock in the entire crowd, but across our team was just, I mean, what in the world? We are on top and we're gonna lose it right now. And I saw Bella kind of walking down off of the platform, but walking with her and he's going, okay, Kerry, sh shake it off, shake it off, be tough, be tough. And, and um, I had no doubt in my mind that she would go back down there, salute to the judge and do that second vault. she should have done was vault again, but she did, and now she is in a lot of pain. A 9-7-1-2, she has done it. Carrie Strug has won the gold medal for the United States team. Afterwards, having torn two ligaments in her left ankle and unable to walk, Carrie's coach, Bella Carolla, carried Strug to the medal stand so she could be with her team. An indelible image that will forever live in Olympic lore. To combine the bravery with a great athletic performance and that moment which was, was hanging in there, we're going to be the first time ever in the position of the gold or we are losing the gold. Yes, that moment is going to really hard you to recreate. Carrie's vault to help um, the gymnastics team win the gold medal in 96, in my mind, in my opinion, ranks up there with the, the 1980 hockey team. There are those moments that you will never, ever forget. awesome is that? How awesome, how courageous is that to see that young woman do that? And she looks like the hero of the story. And what she did was courageous. I got to tell you, the hero of the story is the coach. The coach who was there encouraging her when she didn't want to go anymore, who was there making sure that she didn't walk alone back to the place to try again, to make sure that she had the focus that she needed. It was a coach that was there speaking into her life. Now, can you imagine what the church would look like if we were a church that encouraged each other in that way? If we were the kind of church that refused to let each other fail in our walk with God. We refused to let each other fail in what God had called us to do individually. And we just started talking to each other and encouraging one another and spurring one another on towards good deeds out of a motivation of love. Look, I know you're hurting right now, but don't give up. Don't give up. I know the enemy's hammering you right now, but let me speak life over you. Don't give up. Don't tap out. I know it's real right now, and I know it doesn't look like there's a way out of this, but don't forget what the Bible says. Don't forget the call of God that's on your life. What if we were a church that rallied around each other and would not let one person slip through the cracks because we took watching each other's backs seriously, that we are each other's ride or die. We are, we are the army that watches one another and refuses to let the enemy have his way in each other's lives. We go to battle in prayer. We go to battle spiritually. We're there for one another. We absolutely refuse to let life take each one of us out. How awesome would that be? How awesome would that be instead of a church that would be divided over so many petty things, over so many silly things, over things that aren't going to last? You realize we are eternal beings. 
You're going to spend eternity somewhere. Somewhere. Either in heaven or in the lake of fire. You'll spend eternity in one of those two places. Okay? Why do we get so distracted over temporary things that don't matter? Over petty offenses? Over little divisions? I wish there was something happening right now in the country that created a difference of opinion amongst people that I could use for an illustration to point out to say, don't let something temporary that only happens every four years divide something that God has called to be together for eternity. Understand what I'm saying? We're called to watch each other's backs. We need to coach each other up, even through the times. Even through the times when we may not want to. Look, I know this. There's going to come a day when we're going to need encouragement. So it's better to sow seeds for that day. Amen. So I I started thinking about this, though, because it's kind of like, to me, I know, like, I'm relationship with God, man. Give me my Bible. Give me my relationship with God. And I appreciate what people do in my life. But I'm going to stand on my own two feet. So why is God so intent with connecting us together? I was like, because I know God can handle all the problems. God is the solution. He got it all worked out. So why does he, instead of giving all of that from himself to us, why does he write in here that we're supposed to also do this for each other when he could easily do it? And I was processing through this and thinking, and I I landed on this ground. It, It all starts with love. It all begins with love. In fact, if you jump back, in the book of John where Jesus is talking to his disciples and Jesus kind of breaks the strategy down and lets us know what this is all about. In John chapter 13, starting in verse 34, he says, a new command I give you, love one another. I want to stop there for just a second. (laughs) Can I be a pastor for a minute? All right, uh, Jesus didn't say, hey, here's something you might want to do one day if you ever get time to do it. What does a command mean? Do it. Do it. Like Jesus, he could have turned into somebody from Jersey going, yo, just do it. You know, he could have done that. Just do this right here. Pay attention. Just like thou shalt not commit murder, just that thou shalt not commit adultery. Just like he gave the other two commandments. He said, listen, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and street, and love your neighbor as yourself. That kind of command. This is what Jesus is saying here. A new command I give you, love one another. Love one another. Now, who's he talking to here? Is he talking to this great crowd of people? No, he's talking to his disciples. And through that, he's talking to us as his church. Love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. He qualifies and goes, listen, this isn't just going to be your idea, your definition of love, or how you interpret love from whatever your favorite scripture in the Bible is. Okay, you're going to love each other the way that I have loved you. Following the example that I set or that I set for you. And then he drops a bomb and he says this, this right here, if you will do this, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. 
Start thinking about this. Well, okay, if we got to love how Jesus loved us, and if we love how Jesus loved us, then everybody was going to know that we're our like we're the disciples of Jesus by how we love each other and treat each other because love is a verb. Throw back to DC talk. Love is a verb. It's an action word. It's not just a concept or philosophy. I want to look at the definition of this word that Jesus uses here in Scripture. He didn't just use a random word for love. And some of you may know this, but he uses this word called agape. Agape to describe the kind of love that he's talking about. An unconditional love. Pure. Willful, sacrificial love that desires another's highest good. Boy, that almost sounds like the gospel when you think about it. Jesus says, I want you to love agape like I have love for you. And you look at the life of Jesus. He offered us unconditional love in the purest form. And he willfully sacrificed himself for all of us to lift us up back into the position that we had before. That agape love is only a love that God can give himself. We cannot operate in that in and of ourselves. That's a God love. Agape love. I thought, well, good grief. How am I supposed to love people like that when I don't possess that kind? And then it clicked. Oh, I'm supposed to love them with that kind of agape love because people don't have that love in and of itself on their own. It has to be put there in our hearts from the heart of God. His love transferring to us, his heart in our heart. We see how God sees and we, we, we love how God loves and we capture his heart for one another. And Jesus says, I want you to love each other with only the love that I can give you because you are my disciples. I am residing inside of you and your heart is a reflection of my heart and I want people to see that reflection of what I have done for you and how you treat one another because they're not gonna see something like that anywhere else in this world. It's only going to be found in you, my church, as you love one another the way that I have loved you. And if you do that, then people will see that love and they will realize that I am who I am. And I thought, oh my goodness, God doesn't need our help to encourage one another and to lift each other up. He can do that on his own, but he chose to have his church reflect that heart that he has towards each other by putting that love into action so that the world could see it. He says, I want you to take that love and how you treat one another, and I am going to use this. Not, not so much miracles, not so much signs and wonders, not so much raising of the dead to confirm who I am and what I can do in somebody's life. I want them to see the difference in how you treat one another and how you watch each other's backs and how you lift each other up and how you willfully, sacrificially lay yourself down for one another to lift each other up to the glory of my name. 
I'm using you to preach and to confirm my gospel, first and foremost, before everything else. And I thought, wow, God's pretty smart. He's pretty smart. Yeah, all that figured out because love in its correct form produces fruit. And love provides both motivation and the action from that motivation. And I thought, okay, well, if that, that just makes a whole lot of other scriptures make sense, though. Because if we're operating in that agape love that only God can give to us to love one another, and it's uh, a love that's unconditional. Oh, it's unconditional. When's the last time you've honestly, unconditionally loved somebody? But we're not supposed to do that for everybody. Oh, wait. Yeah, we are. For everyone. Unconditionally loving one another in a pure way, in a sacrificial way, to doing things for each other that cost us something to lift each other up. That kind of love, it necessitates action. And when you look through the, the New Testament, you, you begin to see the fruit from the motivation of that love given to us through Scripture and how we're supposed to interact with one another and how we're supposed to walk beside each other so that nobody walks alone. In Romans 12, we start to see this. In Romans 12, verse 10, it says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Lift each other up. Lift each other up. We let our shoulders be available to people in times of need so that we can lift them up like we talked about last week so that our ceiling can become their floor to treat them better than we treat ourselves. Ephesians 5, verse 21, it reads like this. It says, submit to one another. There's, there's this concept of putting people before ourselves again, and you saw that all through the life of Jesus. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We treat each other the way we treat each other because of our respect and our love for Jesus. It comes from him first to us and to each other as we're bouncing that signal off to people that need it. It's interesting as you read through almost all of these scriptures that deal with interactions between the body of believers and how we're supposed to treat each other and, 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 and conduct ourselves with one another, Jesus is almost always mentioned as an example or a motivation for why we should do it. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. I guess one thing for somebody to be going through something, and we do the churchy thing, you know, like, oh, you go, oh, I'm going to pray for you. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. And some of us really do pray for one another, and, and that's awesome that we do that. But I found that a lot of Christians, it's just like, well, okay, sorry you're going through that. It's in God's hands. God bless you. You know, that's, that's about the end of it. But the Bible says that we're supposed to bear each other's burdens, carry each other's burdens. That means that when you hurt, I'm supposed to hurt. That when you go through something, you don't go through it by yourself, that I come alongside of you and I help. Listen now, to carry that burden, that means I'm carrying part of the weight that you're carrying right now on your own so that you don't become overwhelmed with it and overcome by it. 
because nobody's supposed to walk alone. We're supposed to be there for each other. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if every time somebody was going through something in their life, the body of Christ just rallied around them and supported them and figured out how to help carry that. I might not be able to carry all of it. I can't carry all of it because it's your burden and you're having to walk through it, but I can carry some of it. I can lift you up in prayer. I can encourage you. I can give something to help pay a bill. I can show up to help you do the job that you can't get to. I, I can give sacrificially of myself to help carry this that you're walking through in life. It's all through the New Testament, Romans chapter 15. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. I could spend all day with a cup of coffee, staring at a lake, just, just looking through my life, trying to make sure if that, if that is something that I am living by on my own, am I accepting everyone that I see just like Jesus accepted me? Or do I see Republican, Democrat? Do I see Georgia fan, Alabama fan? God have mercy on all of them. How do I see people? James chapter five, he's not, not only are we supposed to accept each other, but James five sixteen it says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What if one Sunday we just had sin confession time and we just lined up and one by one, we just went by each other and confessed our sins to everybody that was in the church. That'd be a fun Sunday, wasn't it? I knew it. I knew it. I knew, I knew you were a freak. I knew you were doing that. I knew it. We don't do that to people, though, in the church the way that the Bible says to do it because we don't trust most people in the church with that kind of information. Part of it's kind of a religious spirit thing that I absolutely find disgusting. And, and part of it's just that, I guess, guilt that's associated with it. But this is when I know when I confess my sin, then I, I, I become free from that hold on my life. And when I let myself become accountable to somebody else, there's strength in that that I wouldn't have had before. But think about this. If the church was a church that was watching each other's backs, unconditionally loving one another, sacrificially giving of ourselves to support one another, spurring each other on towards good deeds. Who We had a church that was constantly bearing each other's burdens and lifting each other up, encouraging, saying, you're not going to go through this by yourself. I'm here. I'm part of the body just like you. We're going to support each other. Now, if we treated each other like that, that's a person that I would trust with something that I was going through in my life because I know that your motivations towards me are pure and I know that you're someone I can trust that I can count on that I know won't let me down that even if I told you the deepest, the deepest darkest part of who I am I know that you would accept me like the Bible just said and your unconditional love towards me would reflect the unconditional love that God gave to you and to us all. Maybe Jesus knew what he was doing all along. And no one walks alone. And no one's an island. 
because when you isolate yourself, you lose the benefit and the protection and the network and the support that I have put in my body to help, listen to this now, to help make sure that you succeed in everything that I have called you to do because the body will lift you up when you cannot take the next step. That the body will walk alongside of you and be that coach and say, you can do it, you can do it. I'm right here with you. God hasn't left you and I'm not leaving you either. We're gonna get through this together. Oh man, I would be a part of that church. And I would trust somebody that lived that way with anything. And that's who God has called us to be, as the body. That's why we say here at Eastgate, Nobody walks alone because it's a biblical principle that has a lot of power to it. You want to be successful in your walk with God? Everybody watching online, you want to be successful in your walk with God? Listen, make sure that you don't walk alone. Make sure that you're connected to a body of believers. And I know some of you, this is the only way you can be connected right now, and I get that. But listen, your phone still works. Your phone still works. Get connected with somebody have somebody praying for you. Make sure somebody's walking with you. Don't put yourself out on an island for the enemy to carve you out. Because just like God's called us to be in each other's corners, when we don't have the legitimate person or the people in our corner like God intended with his body to encourage us in this fight, we're going to find illegitimate things to put in our corner to try to float us through this fight. And they're just not going to be able to get it done. The only thing that can function as the body of Christ is the body of Christ no one walks alone everyone stand with me this morning if you will you know I've walked through enough of life by myself and I've walked through seasons of life with some awesome people alongside of me but can you imagine just for a second just imagine imagine one what your life would be like if you knew you had a church, ride or die, thick or thin, hell or high water, you know they're always going to be there for you. Can you imagine? See, that doesn't happen if we don't become that person to be there for someone else. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, just for a moment.